and welcome back to the What the Folk Sunderland review show as we look over Sunderland's third defeat in a row. Um, it was a really rough day at the stadium light. Swansea took a well-deserved three points with a 2-1 win. We're now eight points off the playoffs in back end of February. And it's probably quite easy to be doom and gloom. And I think for the first time in a while, we, we took the night off to have the morning after conversation. So hopefully we'll we'll return with a little bit of hope. Um, but of course, as always, um, I'd like to think balance. To join me first and foremost is Dave Lawrence. Dave, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, not bad at all. Thanks, mate. As, as apathetic as we have been for the last six mm. weeks. So similar story, but the sun's out down here, so I can't complain too much. I feel like there's um the podcast gods have took it out on us because we were quite lucky to have 18 months of relative positivity where there was always a glimmer of hope in it like the past few weeks. It's not been uh it's not been great, but let's try and be as hopeful as we can, or at least have a bit of balance as if if possible. Um Brad, how are you doing? You all right, mate? You good? I'm not bad. Sun shining here. Um yeah, weather's nice football, actually. Football this morning, so as I've showed you a picture of my pitch, it's an absolute disgrace. Mm. Um, but yeah, good. All good. Decent. Uh, Dave, three defeats on the bounce. Um, I think arguably yesterday was probably the worst 45 minutes of the season. Not not too bad second half, but I think the first 45 was so bad it was it felt quite flat. But we've had a sleep. We've had a bit of a think about it. Um I don't know if I'm any less apathetic about it, but uh, the morning after, Dave, how were you feeling about uh, the result? Just general feelings. Yeah, concerned. I was concerned. Um, <laughs> I was concerned when we appointed Bale. I was concerned when we decided that Dodds was the right way for the rest of the season. And I'd had us down for four points out the next 15 before yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I had us picking up points from Swansea. So I'm not sure even with four points from the next 15 is looking very good, to be honest with you, mate. Um, so, yeah, yeah, not ideal. No. Brad, same to you. I think, look, it was... I think if the first half wasn't as bad, you could have probably said the second half actually was a bit better than it feels like it was. But ultimately, like, that first 45 was as bad as I think the season's been. And... It's sort of hard to mask it, even after a, a good night's sleep um, and a coffee. But uh, how are you feeling about it? Just the same as I did yesterday, really. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I think it was on 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Even Archie turned to me and said, Dad, can we go? <laughs> <laughs> and I spent pretty much most of the first half just sitting on my phone. I was, I was quite bored. Um, I think the reason we it's highlighted in the first half is that's the first time I think we've conceded two in the first half at home and went in d- two nil down since Doncaster at home, coincidentally mm-hmm. underdogs. Poor <laughs> 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 a block. Um but yeah, you said the second half was better, but let's not sugarcoat it. It couldn't have been any worse, Matt. It literally could not have been any worse. I don't think there was a player, maybe one or two could maybe come away with a head held high, knowing that they gave what they could, but on the whole, that was it was shocking. It was all wrong. And the only glimmer of credit I can give to Dodds is his interview was quite honest. Mm-hmm. And he said 
he held his hands up. I got it wrong. But he also said it was a collective. The players' attitude wasn't right. He got it wrong. So fair play to him on that. But yeah, it was just a horrendous day. I think what compounded the day for me was... I think I, I don't really leave the games early, but I'll be honest, I made a bit of a mess up when we trained yesterday and ended up booking one at five to six, which is difficult to get to, especially when you know the Metros have got the reputation that they do. But uh, I said before the free kick that we scored from, I says, my little brother, look, do you mind if we leave on 74 minutes so I can maybe catch my train and not have to try and fake my way onto the next train, which I did manage, by the way. I said, if this goes in, we'll stay. If it doesn't, we'll just go. And then the cross went in and we scored. And it was just like, ah, Graham, let's just prolong the agony a little bit more and make sure that you definitely missed the train, which I did. Thanks very much to the train conductor who will remain nameless for letting me off. But um, Brad, I'll, I'll, I'll stick the next, next question to you as well. I think I've got my thoughts on this. But before I give them, um, where did yesterday go wrong for you? For me, I think it was the shape. Um, I think the shape was all wrong. But I think yesterday went wrong, really, the day the, the minute Ballard was suspended and we realised Jack Clark was out. Because from there, you could just feel that there wasn't a lot of confidence in what we had. Um, not seeing Mundell get a start when he's meant to be possibly Jack Clark's replacement was a bit of an off, an odd one for me. Um, but then it just seemed like no one knew what their role was. Like I was watching it and I couldn't tell if Styles was playing left wing back, he was playing centre midfield, or if he was playing on the right. I just, I just couldn't tell. Um, I just think a lot of a lot of the players just didn't know what they were meant to be doing. I don't know if that's because. Over the last eight weeks, they've had ingrained into how Bale wants to play and now Dodds, within a week, try to go back to what they used to and they sort of got a little bit muddled. But it just seemed like it was very flat. And the play, I mean, that was the atmosphere on the ground, but that's because we could see that the players didn't really have a clue what they were doing or meant to be doing. Um, And, I'm, and I know you can talk about tactics and you talk about coaches... But if a professional footballer who's getting paid handsomely, I put in the group, can't pass the ball five yards and can't run around a little, with a little bit of urgency, you're on a hiding or nothing then. Like, you, you can't expect to win football games when you're making silly little mistakes. Stuff that's just so simple. Um, how are you meant to get the... If you can't get the basics right, you, you're not going to you're not gonna go very far, yeah. But that was... It was just... From the start, I, I just... I don't know. When I seen the team, I just didn't... Fillers with much confidence. I don't mind a back three, like, because I think it's decent, but I just, oh God, our left-hand side, the two new lads on the left-hand side, one of them knew was anything, just, oh, we'll get on to styles a bit later on. But I think for, for me, on the flip side of that, because obviously we, it sounds like we had an argument here, but we had a disagreement in the group chat yesterday, Brad, but just a difference of opinions. I felt like what yesterday was, was, it was a really young team without either experience required to drag them to a game where things weren't quite going right technically. And also, um, I think it's a team and a, a manager, an interim manager that have been left like severely short in key positions and also missing arguably its two key players. Um, you could maybe say Dan Neal was playing as well, but I just think 
someone mentioned it in the questions. Um, I think it was, uh, sorry if I got the pronunciation correct, Tenchi Lad, who said something that I did, like really agreed with. I just think, I, I like Luke 9 a lot, and I do think 9 is a leader, but I just feel like the team as a whole yesterday just lacked like a lot of leadership, and I think also the shape was wrong. And I also think that it's also lacking in key positions, like the amount of times Rusin put a decent ball in there and there was just nobody in the box. And there was people shouting at Bellingham, like, oh, Bellingham getting the box, but I don't think, like, I don't think his position is an out-and-out striker. I think he's one of the better options up top um, than what we've got, but I just, I, I honestly think yesterday's performance was like akin to what and I know people disagree with me on this, but what the models and the the poor recruitment this season is. Um, I think obviously missing Ballard and Clark's huge and you could arguably say if them two are playing, you, you see something a bit different. But it just looked like a team that was like severely lacking in midfield, severely lacking a centre forward. And then you've got your most inventive player missing to injury and your best defender missing to suspension. And I just think that kind of culminated in just a lot of crap. Um, but the the big thing for me that kind of was loud and clear above the formation change and we also loud and clear above the injuries was that there was no one really on the pitch outside of O'Neill that was able to lead those through because they're all young lads or new signings trying to kind of understand and grow in the game and grow their own game. And like in reality, we're looking at people like Bellingham and that to give us leadership because he's played the most amount of games and Dan Neal and they're still young kids, really. Like in reality, some of these young kids should be allowed to have the occasional off game. And then you get the leaders around them, like what used to be like your Bailey Wrights, your Danny Bartz, your Corey Evans, your your Ross Stewart, even if you want, that would sort of lead them through a game a little bit and pull them out of the tough times. And there's no one to really look to. And outside of that, like I thought Equa and Dan Neal, I love Dan Neal, but I thought he was really poor yesterday. I thought the midfield was poor. But if you put like a Corey Evans behind that, you kind of have a little bit of a water carrier just to kind of be like, lads, come on. How are you? Or even a Pritchard in front of them being like, lads, come on. Like, And I just feel like the performance yesterday was like the epitome of what we're missing and then added on top a new formation change, which didn't work and missing arguably your two best players. But... I mean, it is what it is. We kind of change it now. But Dave, I'll, I'll put the next question to you. One of those players that was in there and I, I thought was poor, to be honest with you. Good on the ball. I just thought like two goals came down his side. Callum Siles made his first performance yesterday at like a left wing back position, I think. And what were your first impressions? Yeah, sorry to just backtrack a little bit. An extension of what you've just said, which I totally agree with, by the way. If you throw into that, which is why I'm so pessimistic, the fact that you haven't got a natural leader on the touchline as well, it's not a very good mix, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, need... I, I like I like Dodgy. I do agree. I just want to I want to reiterate. I think we all like Dodgy, but like he is learning on the job as well. Like, yeah, massively. 100%. You know, he's no he's no ex professional footballer of a decent standard, so he hasn't got that in game experience. Um, and yes, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening. Go, Dave, you haven't either. Touche, fair play, deserve that. <laughs> but it, it, it's evident, and and we've said it we've said it for quite a while, and and we have. I think one of the points that you just said there again about like 
allowing them to have off days. We have said that. Like some of these kids are 18, 19. We don't expect them to be playing a seven to ten performance rating every week. So I think that's fair and balanced. Um in terms of styles as in the player, not the actual way that we play football. Um, just thrown into a bad situation, I suppose. And again, it's exactly what you've just said. You're expecting players who have not dug up trees before in their lives, or footballing lives, to to make a difference to us um, and potentially not in the best positions as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a few which I was underwhelmed with yesterday. Um Quite enjoyed seeing Rusin play in what would probably be his preferred position. He was one of the positives for me for the balance. Um, Styles, I don't think we've seen enough of him um, and thrown into a bad situation. So, yeah, I suppose he could have rose to the top and and stood out, but difficult game, I suppose. I'm kind of reluctant to to roast any players based off what I've just said, and I feel sorry for them a bit. But... um... I talked about Styles and I thought he wasn't great. I'm not going to judge him too far. Um, it was a poor performance in a new formation in his first game in a couple of months, I think. So there's, there's definitely time to change that opinion, but not a great first impression, but that's fine. Like, you know, there's games and time to come where he could change that opinion quite easily. One person who made a really good impression on me in his debut, and I think <laughs> since, and I don't want, like, this time frame to change his opinion again, and I Again, I think there's more important issues in this, but I think it's probably worth mentioning, Brad, that Leo Yelder was particularly bad yesterday um, and has been for a couple of weeks. But that's, that's a bit of a concern, isn't it? He, he seems to be getting rather than better by week, a little bit worse, bit by bit, culminating in yesterday's performance. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really know what to say about his performance yesterday. I did put in the group... I can start to see now why he only played 45 minutes for Leeds and then became the eighth-choice left-back. Because, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, he looked okay at Borough and then he looked okay against Plymouth, but that's because we've done okay as a team. The last few games, I think the only reason he is playing there is because he is left-footed. Like, that was going to be his best position, the left centre-back yeah, position. Yeah, I know. And, that, and I that's was like, alarming. That oh. is alarming. Like, the, it, it's worrying that he will keep playing because he's left-footed, and that is it. It's just to provide a bit of balance. Because what I've seen yesterday, I'm struggling to remember, and it might be a bit harsh, I'm struggling to remember a worse centre-half performance. Worst it, defensive performance. It was bad. Look, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Like, not, I don't think any of us are writing them off. Um, and I do think the big problem comes from young lads being left short with experience on the pitch and actual players in the right positions. But it also would be wrong for us to completely nullify. Yeah. I mean, there, there was there was one point, Brad, where like he got the ball and he sort of like fell over and the ball went out of play, and I was like, eh, how how did yeah. you do that? Now. That screams to me. He wouldn't have looked as bad, or I believe he wouldn't. He would have been okay had we had Danny Bart playing alongside him. Someone with that experience. It's just 
when you say uh, we love what Luke O'Neill but like you say, he is the leader of the team. But he's also yesterday probably tasked with running, like manning the defense. He was the center of the three, and he's got two massively inexperienced players either side him. Jensen sailed. I, I like the I like the kid. I think he's going to have a big future. Um, but yes, uh, honestly, <laughs> if we have any more performances from Hilda like that, it's time to worry. Like the the best news I think that's come out of the club this week is Agielisi's back on the grass. Because the sooner he gets back, the better. But on the flip side, you don't want to rush him because we've seen what happened last time. Now, do we look at it and think this season's gone? And we're going to just finish in mid-table, which is okay-ish. Because mm. you did say at the start, all you want is a, a drama-free season one one year at Sunderland. Like, <laughs> I know it's not being drama-free on the whole, but a nice mid-table finish with no worries would be would be okay. Um, so don't rush him back. But equally, I have no confidence at this minute with Hjelda Payne there. We, 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 he's just, he looks so bad and he's so slow. I think um, you talked about Alessi there, who I really like. I think he's actually really underrated. I think Serkan's the best, either at left back or in that back three, sort of on the left hand side of the centre halves. And he just looks a mile off it, like in comparison to those two at the minute. But like, there's, there's time to change it. He's still a young lad, like I say, and with a bit more leadership around him, maybe it, it will. Um, some positives, Dave which I didn't expect to be saying in the case of one of them. I thought Tamir and Riggy had good little cameos. Um, I'd really like to see more of Riggy. The season might peter out. I don't want to make that judgment too early because there's still plenty of games to play that could change things. But should we maybe try and try a bit of Tamir and Riggy a little bit more on a regular basis, maybe even from the start? Because, well, essentially there's... Well, there is things to lose, but there's we're not playing well, so we've got to change somewhat, haven't we? Would would Chris Rigg and Hamir be ones that you wouldn't mind seeing, Dave? Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I, are you, I, I didn't know if you were going to mention what we were talking about before we started recording, and and the the old well, you're you're of the same age as uh, you're of the same age as me, so you understand how pessimistic we are or can be. Um, and how them next three results are massive, especially if the teams below us go on a little bit of a run. So I think we've got to tread very carefully because it it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise you if Sunderland ended up in a relegation battle when we were looking at playoffs at one point. Um, there's no harm in it. Rig Rig gets so much attention from everywhere. Apparently scouted every week. Um, he's he's basically. The same level as the as the rest of them, isn't he? Because he's he's a young kid, he's learning on the job. There's no difference, really. Yes, he's he's five years younger than most of them, but I don't have a problem with it. Hamia, I think if he if he played, which idiot said he'd get 15 league goals this season? You, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. At the start start of the season, we all had a prediction, didn't we? Of uh, who's going to be the best sign and who's going, and we all said Hamia. <laughs> Oh my god! Wow, how it all changes very quickly. The irony that uh, his because... name rhymes with oh dear. 
<laughs> I, I just wish that we could have played the season against fifth division American sides and he might have looked okay. Oh, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think that's where we've, uh, we've been lured into a false sense of security. But I thought he was all right yesterday. Am I the only it, one that thought that? It, no, I actually thought that was... Because he got about 15 minutes, didn't he? That was probably his, his best performance. The, he was holding the ball up well and he was doing what a big man does. Gets it, gets it into him, lays it off to your wing and then runs and tries to put it in. But what was frustrating, when he came on, we stopped delivering balls into the box. Yeah. But before yeah. that, we're putting balls in. I, I can't. I can't get my head around it. They're, they're just so ingrained in the way that we've played for the last three seasons with these inverted wingers that they just don't know how to do it. Like, what is wrong with even if it was an inverted winger, setting it back to a fullback and just delivering the ball and having a few people in there? I mean, surely Ekwa might not be the most talented in the air and is quite weak and learning his trade. But Ekwa, Hamia. They're big lads. Surely it gives us a different option. We've got to try something at some point because if we keep doing this, it's going to be pretty disappointing, really. I think um, there's one person that I probably need to come on to here and I really, really like them. But like even yesterday, I was like, oh, for God's sake, what are you doing? And again, it feels like I've kind of said, I feel... And I, I'm going to say... I know we're discussing some players' performances here. You kind of have to do that, I think. I think the overriding feeling for me is that all these players have been hung out dry a little bit by not having the experience on the pitch. And then on top of that, not having the required quality um, in specific positions and also missing arguably their two best players yesterday. But Brad, you mentioned this about eight weeks ago and I was like, shut up, man. Shut up, man. And I'm still a bit like, shut up, man. But Pato's, he's not being... I mean, he, he almost scored. <laughs> when we got the balls in the box, Pato will get on the end of them. But I think... Uh, I don't want to put the entire blame on him for the goals yesterday, but he's this parrying thing straight to someone else is happening a little bit too often. Well, that's three games in a row now. I know the year on yesterday, you can give him a little bit more grace than the other two because it wasn't more five yards out. But then you watch him for the rest of the game. Once it happens, you watch him the rest of the game and all he does is parry. And it was telling in about the 35th, 40th minute, he caught a ball and the entire stage of my life cheered. I thought now, that, that was, was poor, you know. That was poor. It was poor. But we can see it now. And for me, take out that he's an academy product. He's a Sunderland lad, Sunderland fan, right? Which is great because he came through. If that was Hoffman from a couple of seasons ago or another goalkeeper who was having this run of form and doing the things that he does, his distribution and that, they'd probably look to change the goalkeeper and see if something else something else can work. But the persistent with him, I think, is solely because he is a, an academy product, he's a Sunderland fan, and they're hoping he gets right. Because, like... Bishop must be poor if he's not even getting a look in. Now that's that's another reason that they couldn't look, look not look to be changing it is they might have no faith in Bishop, and then we've sent Matty Young out on loan. Um, but I, I'm I'm I don't know. Pato went from being a really good shot stopper, which I thought was his his strong point, to now I think he's. 
seriously lacking in confidence as well, and it's shown. Um, and his distribution is up there with one of the worst I've seen. And to be a footballer, to be a goalkeeper these days, you have to be good with your feet, rightly or wrongly. That's how people play. You play as a sweeper, really. It really puts us under pressure. He's kicking, and like. There's a couple of times over the past few weeks, I think it was Borough, and I think it was Borough. Don't quote me on this, but it was a Wait, game. I and it's like just it, everything has to go on his left foot, and like I don't see the benefit of him at the minute. I think to be fair, like you're right in what you say, the confidence things going throughout the squad, and like I, I, I'll apply what's happening with Pato to what's happening with the rest of the team. There's a lack of leaders throughout. Um, I mean, his defence yesterday outside of nine, who's some people argue he's not a centre half. Um, bunch of Baines again, young, young lads. Hume's probably most experienced at the back outside of um and he wasn't even really at the back yesterday. I don't know what position he was playing yesterday, Hume. I don't know what position he plays anymore. He's been in midfield, <laughs> left back, centre half, right back. Just get him at right back and just let him stay there. Um Can I just say one more thing on Patterson? It was we just came out after half time, we had we had kick. And we went we went all the way back, and it was within twenty seconds of kickoff. Patterson has put it on his left foot, tried to clear it, and it's went 20 yards to their player, and they're already on the front foot, and they've got about a four-on-three situation against us. And we're just lucky that nothing come of that, because that's our own doing. And a lot of it has to be looked at as well, the coaching. like They have to say that Patterson is not the best with his feet, so stop giving him it. Mate, that's, that's a clear different way. You've been in plenty of dressing rooms. When you've been under pressure for a half of football, and if you're kicking off, you put it in the top right-hand corner, the top left-hand corner, and you go and box them in, and you start this game positively. You start the second half positively. You don't go backwards to your goalkeeper and invite pressure when you've just had the worst half of football for a season. I think it's ridiculous. It's, but it's, it's, it goes back to what we said before. Like I feel I actually feel sorry for... like. Dodds, and I feel sorry for a lot of the players because I think they've just been really hung out to dry by the fact that like there's no one really able to lead like at all. Um, and Dodds also learning as well. Um, but yeah, you know it is what it is. Um, th this we're going to go on to listeners' questions, but we had a a listeners' question in the sense that came in anyway. Um, and I thought it was a good question to ask. So I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Dave. It's a question I wanted to ask, but also a listener's question as well. Um, so that was a team yesterday with no Ballard and no Clark for the first time in a while. Obviously huge misses, but potentially two players who, if the model continues to do what it's meant to do, could move on this summer for big money. So in many ways, that's the side you start next season with, um, with some additions. Based on sort of recent evidence of, of what they provide and what they buy and what the model is, They'll be replaced by younger, rawer models with like lots of potential. Bowers has asked this question. I think it's good. Um, how crucial is this summer in terms of the model, Dave? Because we can argue about the pros and the cons of the model, whether you think it's right or it's wrong. It's not going to change. So how crucial is this summer based on the fact that we could lose players like Clark Ballard for big money? That that works in the some like in the summer that they bring in players that can adequately replace those players. You can reinvest some of the money and still be as good a side or better. Like I don't see it happening, but like that's what's going to happen this summer. And it has to be right, doesn't it? So how crucial is it? Massively. So you 
that they need to unearth gems, but also gems who have have that profile of the likes of Roberts and Clark when we got to League One. So, and obviously we're a division higher, so that becomes. I mean, Robertson, Robertson, Clark were Premier League footballers, but you need players who are on the fringe of their teams. Dare I say, Ahmad, <laughs> like who aren't doing anything whatsoever. But that is the caliber of player that they have to replace the likes of Clark and that with. Um, they might unearth one or two. There could be someone without looking at it like a West Ham or Spurs or something who want to get their career back on track. And that's fine. We won't spend big money on it at all. We know that that's uh, going to happen. But I think the worry is, especially after, after like close season and pre season this year, the model seems to have. Did we hit lucky with Clark and Roberts at the time, potentially, and and where they were, and and yeah, no doubt we've. We've scoured the network and, and pulled out a couple of gems. That's absolutely fine. Is there many of them about? Probably not. And also, um, the model seems to have changed to going from quality to quantity. And like, let's sign 15 players and hope that two or three of them are good. It probably is a bit worrying, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think so. I, I'm not 100% sure that it'll be done correctly but people will feel different I suppose um, listeners questions uh, Dave I'll give you a nice fun one straight away what is the biggest airborne animal you reckon you could take in a fight uh, bald eagle bring it do you reckon Fair yeah enough. I'd have it I don't think I could be any of them I'm soft as clouds me uh, good question here Brad and I just want to point out before I ask it uh, please the T-shirt that the players wore yesterday saying, well, with you, Tony, we, as fan, as a fan base, I'm sure this is the first time ever I can speak for every fan. We're all 100% with Tony Mowbray as well. But one of the questions was, uh, Brad, did we underappreciate Tony Mowbray? 100%. Um, I've been quite staunch in the fact I think it was wrong to sack him. And I still stand by that. I had quite a good debate with a few people on Twitter yesterday and I can see all arguments, but... He got a team, really, I mean, I know we had Ahmad, but he got a team in the playoffs that probably shouldn't have been there. And it was a low points tally. Look, every other points tally would have been a solid mid-table finish, which is what we should have been aiming for, really. I honestly believe he deserved that chance to at least get us to the summer and then they'd maybe shake hands and, and part ways because he would have solidified us. I think we would have been a lot closer to the playoffs than we are now had he stayed and the feel good factor would have still been around the club and especially within the players would have still had confidence in themselves because one thing you always say is all he done is give them confidence to do what they're good at and I think that's been stripped away so yeah I think we really underappreciated Tony Mowbray massively um, I'll take the next one do you think we can attract a top manager I think as a club yeah I do um, depending on what you define as a top manager, but also a top manager that needs to fit into whatever our plan is moving forward. Whether you agree with that or not, it needs to 
aligned um, and aligned a little bit better than what it did with the last manager that said everything aligned. But I think the problem you got with Sunderland at the moment in appointing managers is that the last few appointments we've made have been people who don't have a job. Um, Alex Neal was out of work. Lee Johnson was out of work. Michael Beale was out of work. Tony Mowbray was out of work. So essentially, they're all free. Some of those names I've mentioned worked. Some of them worked really well. Some of them didn't. However, what you probably have when you're appointing a manager that is free and looking for another job, and I think especially in Michael Beale's appointment, he probably would have never expected that he could have had a job the size of Sunderland just two months after the absolute disaster he had at Rangers. So when he's getting that interview, he's not necessarily pushing back that much, is he? He's nodding his head, he's agreeing, he's aligned. He's borderline being conformist. So he's, in many ways, going into a dressing room, happy to have the job. Like a, a lot of the managers have with something because they're back in work. In the interviews, they're probably being conformist, not pushing back on much. And I think whatever the manager is that comes in next, be it top manager, be it someone that's new, I think it needs to be someone that can actually push back on what the club think is the case. I think collaboration between your manager, I must even completely change the model because I actually quite like the model in principle. I just think it needs a bit of experience within it. And I think when you're looking at the next manager that comes in, we don't just have to go for someone who's free and is going to conform to what the club just want and go, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. We need somebody who's going to be like, well, how about we try this way? I think maybe this. The worry I have with that is the two managers that have kind of gone against that in very different ways, mind, don't get me wrong. They're left in different ways, one rightly, one wrongly. Um, the two managers that have pushed back on that and kind of said, maybe we need to kind of change this a bit and not being conformist in a post-match interview, Tony Mowbray, Alex Neal, both murmurs of, I don't have what I want, went pretty fast after that. One of them went to a different club. We can talk about that for, you know, oodles of time the other one got sacked so it also depends whether the club are willing to accept someone that's not just going to be conformist and nod their head um, but I think it's a really critical appointment I think it's huge um, I'm going to go for the good the bad and the hmm and then finish off with that there is as we're on the podcast a bit of chat about Alex Neal but I don't think there's any point in discussing that I don't think the club would even consider it so my good is I thought Rusen showed he's definitely a wing forward, not a central forward, and actually played quite well. I'd like to see more of that moving forward. My bad, the first 45, just shambolic. And my hmm would be our next three games. The playoffs are already eight points off at the minute. I'm a bit concerned that we're 12 points off relegation with three big games coming up that we could feasibly lose. And if Stoke or QPR go on a random three-game win, we're actually not a million miles away from that relegation spot, but maybe I'm just worrying a bit too much. Brad, what was your good, bad, and hmm? The good was the Tony Mowbray appreciation. I thought that was lovely. The bad Leo Hilda, sorry. And the hmm is Jack Clark's replacement that Dave said is already in the building. Didn't even get on when Clark is injured. <laughs> well, didn't start when Clark is injured. I, I just can't understand that. Dave, what's yours? Um, the good is there was a there was a response in the second half, um, albeit not enough, but at least we we had some kind of it had to change and it did. Um, the bad 
not having a manager in the dugout. I I like Dodds exactly like you've said. Uh, I've got no problem with him, but he's not right. And he hasn't suddenly become, and I'm not saying we should get rid, but he hasn't suddenly become some world beater since uh, since the League One tragedy days. And the, hmm, Alex Neil. Oh, hmm. Don't right, leave fucking it at that. talking about him. Leave it at that. Stop fighting everyone. Mom and, and dad, Baldi stop. And stick together, don't they? Baldy stick together. Stop fighting, mum and dad. Stop. Fighting mum and dad, stop. <laughs>